Hey everyone, welcome back to the Park Street Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Pennington, and today we're starting up the episode with our new co-host, Andres Correa, who you've possibly already heard on the Converging Categories episode we recently published. And if you haven't, I encourage you to check it out. We're changing things up around here in 2022. Every new episode will open with Andres and I sharing the latest industry news or Park Street University updates. So turning to that, Andres, you handle a lot of the daily newsletter creation these days. What's going on in February? Yeah, hi, Emily, and hi, Park Street Insider podcast listeners. I'm happy to be here discussing industry news with you guys. So the biggest item in the news right now is the report that was recently released by the Treasury Department. In July of 2021, the Biden administration issued an executive order that was aimed at assessing the U.S. market with the goal of reducing corporate consolidation and really protecting small businesses, giving them a chance to compete, and in the long run, consumers as well. On February 9th, the agency finally released a 63-page report from that executive order, basically detailing the status of the U.S. alcohol category right now, along with some recommendations for improvement. What do you think were the, the key highlights or takeaways from the report? There were two major trends that the Treasury Department noted. The first is growth, which is a good positive one, right? There are a lot more wineries, distilleries, and especially breweries. The report noted that there were over 6,400 operating breweries today in the U.S., whereas in the 70s, there were less than 90. But the second trend, which is the one that they're trying to address with this report, is really consolidation at the distribution level, at the retail level, and then for beer specifically at the production level. As we know, Molson Coors and Anheuser-Busch account for 65% of beer revenue nationwide. So that's two major brewers that have the biggest piece of the pie, if you want to put it that way. Yeah. My biggest takeaway from this was it seems like the, the DOJ and the FTC are likely going to be more discerning when they evaluate proposed you know, big mergers within the alcohol industry going forward. Yeah, that's one of the major takeaways from this report, really. There are some other interesting things in there that the report points out that it would be um, intriguing to see some action on. For example, the differing federal tax rates for beer, wine, and spirits, which currently affect some of the competition between each of those sectors. I think there are little items like that that really are intriguing and will be interesting to see if any actions are taken. Yeah. All right. Nice. And uh, for those listening at home, we're working on putting together uh, an overview of the findings from this and we'll publish it on Park Street University. I'm going to switch gears here a little bit um, and get into this episode. Andres, you did an interview with Craft House Cocktails. Tell us more about what we're going to hear. Yeah. So I spoke to Charles Jolie and Matt Lindner about their journey over the last decade with Craft House Cocktails, making one of the premier RTDs in the country right now. And they were basically an open book, which was a big theme of the interview, as you'll see. They they love to answer questions. It's part of their hospitality background, I think. They both came from the hospitality industry. And their whole goal with Craft House was trying to make basically that hospitality experience in a can that you could take anywhere. I think they've done a great job of that, and and they were open about some stuff that usually people will kind of deflect and say is a little more proprietary, like maintaining the ingredients in their their product and 
and just their whole journey and their their business experience and some of the partnerships they've had over the years. So it was it was a pleasure to talk to them. Oh, that's great. Those are definitely the best kind of interviews. All right, well, let's get into it. Welcome to the Park Street Insider Podcast. Uh, we're here with the uh, founders of Craft House Cocktails. It's a lovely Friday afternoon where we're recording this. So let's start off with a fun question. Matt and Charles, what's your favorite Friday afternoon kind of cocktail? Get you into the weekend drink that you've been having lately. We'll start off with Charles. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it is the middle of winter and I'm in Chicago. So uh, I, I tend towards more spirit forward cocktails right now. So the rum old fashioned is right up my alley for that. And it's got, uh, you know, I'm a big aged rum drinker in general. I, I many, many years ago, although I drink plenty of American whiskey, started to lean towards more whiskey drinker rums uh, and really, you know, long aged, full bodied you know, big rums that that would you know that you can kind of sip on, which is where our, our rum old fashioned was born because it's a cocktail I like to uh, enjoy, and you kind of get those baking spices as well, and a little little uh, a little chocolate, a little coffee tone uh, to it. So yeah, just really good on a on a on a chilly day to you know warm you up. That's a perfect answer. And uh, Matt, what what are you uh, sipping on lately? Yeah, so I'm going to have to move myself into like my fantasy world where I don't have like kids activities and hockey games and things like that already floating for a Friday night. And if I was if I was on vacation and, and unwinding after getting some work done, you know, on a Friday, I might go to a more of a sipper. I, I love just a, a nice tequila. If I was to do a cocktail right now, I'm, you know, it, it's kind of mood dependent for me as well, but I... You know, I'm kind of into this smoking margarita, the mezcal with the, you know, the mezcal thing a bit. So, so definitely in the agave spirit, I, I generally go agave. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, how are we going to, we're going to pick? I always have some, some agave uh, within arm's reach of me as well. I, I started my night last night with a tequila Negroni and finished it with a little uh, cheeky tequila Ocho after dinner as well. So I kind of bookended some agave in between. Love it. Love talking to drinks people about what they're drinking. Charles, I was planning on this answer. I'm not even kidding you. It's For me, it's also the rum old fashioned. I've been doing a lot of my craft house research lately. So I've been having the the rum old fashioned is the one I've tried that's really stood out. Also the gold rush. I'm just really impressed with these RTDs that you guys have and your ability to maintain the integrity of the ingredients throughout. I know that's such an important part of the process of RTDs. And maybe that's somewhere where we can kind of start is what, what did you guys learn trying to maintain the integrity of these ingredients? And, and uh, what can you share with, with our listeners about that whole process and, and what it took to, to do that? Yeah, I could jump in on cocktail recipes. You know, when Matt and I started talking about Craft House in, in the very beginning, it was um, you know, I, the, just one of the fundamentals of, of our, our conversation and even, even going down this, this route, we said, if we couldn't do it right, we weren't going to do it. And, you know, Matt had, you know, has more business experience to me than I do. Uh, you know, he opened, opened several bars 
and I have more bartending experience as well. Although he's he spent plenty of time behind the bar and and running bars. When it, you know I I am on the cocktail side of things much more, and he you know he always was like carte blanche, you know, for me on choosing ingredients, on finding spirits, on on whatever the final balance of the cocktails were. You know, of course we. We have we have guinea pigs and and you know get people together anytime we're, we're working on a new cocktail and, and get it you know dial it in just right but you know when it comes to I guess challenges again and getting things together you know we're an open book as well like we we always when one of the other tenants of our of our company has always been you know don't do anything in this brand that if somebody asks, asks, asks a question, you don't want to hesitate on the answer, you know? So it's, we, we appreciate being an open book to the extent Matt had the genius idea of getting a phone number and putting it on napkins that we then distributed around airports that if people text or call goes directly to both of our phones, that much of an open book. So that's, that, that's a real marketing initiative that, that he came up with, which I was very, very appreciative of, but you know, it, it's, at the core of this, you know, we asked ourselves in 2011 when we when we conceived this idea, we're like, why is there not a good bottled cocktail? Why are people not just we know how to make cocktails behind the bar? Why are people not just making the cocktails behind the bar and putting them in in bottles? Why are they why do they suck? <laughs> to be honest, because it was a pretty uh, bottle cocktails were pretty bleak in 2011. There's a lot, of, you know, many more good options now, but it's it's a world apart from what it was, you know, a decade ago. And, and that was, you know, we just started that way with let's, let's use the same ingredients. Let's, we're going to make simple syrup. We're going to get citrus. We're going to use spirit partners that we be, would want to serve you. You know, if you came over to my house, I would grab a bottle of the same tequila that we use, you know, not use any like, flavored malt stuff or, or, you know, mystery brews or, or, you know, grain neutral uh, spirits. And it makes it really easy that way. Honestly, it doesn't over, overcomplicate it. And in terms of, not, not to get too long-winded, you know, the only thing that we have to do is that we have pasteurized citrus because, of course, we need we need to have shelf shelf stability. But otherwise, we have, we have no, there's no no preservatives in our product. There's never has been. It's simply uh, pasteurization that that keeps it fresh and uh, and we have a, you know a, a higher ABV than than most bottle cocktails on the market, which also helps stabilize everything and keep it and uh, keep it fresh and. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 expensive and it's a, a pain in the butt to do in a in a bottling facility, but it is not. It's actually easier because uh, you're you're using less ingredients. You're not you're not messing around with a bunch of preservatives and, and, and other additives. You know, we just do it do it as close to, the, to what we do in a bar as possible. Yeah, I know you're uh, you're only one question in, and we've probably taken up <laughs> a good portion, but just I'll, <laughs> I'll add to that as well. You know. That our reputation obviously is a tremendously important to us. I think we've both spent many years in the industry building that, and so you know, to, to Charles's point, making sure we did everything that you could peel back the layers, and and we'd be proud to talk about it. In that, also when we launched, because we designed these in 2011, like Charles just uh, mentioned, there was nobody else doing it. We actually had to bottle in Canada. We couldn't even find anybody in the states that would handle like our ginger juice and our lime juice, and you know our pineapple juice and all those different things. So, you know, we found a little facility that had that had hard ciders up in Canada that we started getting going with to, to get out because everybody else was like, well, just do this. You know, this is, you're going to save yourself money. You're going to save yourself time. We can do this for you. I'm like, well, you know, that's not how we want to do things. And Charles, same way. That's not how he wanted to 
to do things. So we weren't, we always say we're not trying to make something that tastes like a Moscow mule. You know, we're actually going to make a Moscow mule. We're going to make a Paloma and we're going to put it in a bottle for people to enjoy. So kind of went at it from a different approach. Yeah, that's perfect. And, and uh, so from, from that point, that's where you guys kind of started off with the the concept. Where are you guys now in terms of how many states, how many SKUs, that kind of thing? Where have you guys taken this this idea that worked out so well? Yeah, so I could I could talk about that a bit. We have a lot of skis. We kind of laugh about it. Thankfully, people seem to enjoy them all. But we have three different formats. We have our resealable aluminum 200 bottles that are just more of a single serve. We have the glass 750 um, milliliter that's got that little grolsch, the flip top closure. And now we've got a 1.75 bag in the box. Not all of our SKUs are available in all three formats, but, but many of them are. So just that in itself, it's like probably a distributor's nightmare to be like, oh, we have, we have to carry all these. But again, people, people buy them all. So that's good. We're within the, the end of this first quarter, we're going to be in about 40 states. So we've grown pretty substantially over the last two years. Thankfully, we've got just some, some you know, great things going on and great partners and, and whatnot. So it's allowed for us to, to grow like that. So we're now a full-fledged company of 10, you know, which is not a huge number, but it's, you know, three times the size we were about this time two years ago. Yeah. And we have eight different cocktails at this point. So across and, and again available in those three formats. Yeah, and we're still we're still an independent. So anyone who you know we were the first to come out, and we've still been uh, just doing it on our own. And and it's been it's been uh, one thing that I do kind of you know pat the team on on the back about is the fact that some of the things that we've been able to do as an independent. I think has some of the larger competition from the big portfolio scratching their head as, as to how, and I think it's just, uh, it goes back to us being, you know, being in that hospitality industry for the, you know, 20, last 20, 25 years and, and just kind of just doing what we, we would do behind the bar and, and building relationships and, you know, treating people the way that we want to be treated and it's, and it's worked, worked so far. Yeah. And that's a good point. That's another question I had in terms of your hospitality background. Do you guys want to get into that a little bit and discuss how that background led to the start of Craft House and and where you guys met? I know you touched on it a little bit, but get more into that and how you guys transferred that hospitality first approach into the RTD world. Sure. I I can hit on that, Charles. Sure. Fill in some gaps there. You know, Charles and I are different in a lot of ways which is, is great. And, but I, I would say one of our core similarities is how we, how we do approach our hospitality background. We've both been doing it forever. We've worked together since like two, year 2000. No matter what the style of our environment, whether it's kind of a finer dining and high-end cocktail lounge down to a little neighborhood bar and grill like Bird's Nest, we, we wanted people to feel comfortable. We wanted people to you know, have an, an approachable, non-stuffy, interactive environment. And, and the, that fits the personality of both Charles and, and myself. And, and we really did carry that, we think, you know, right through into Craft House and, and how we approach Craft House. You know, we didn't do any cocktails that were too easy, but we also didn't do any cocktails that were too complex. You know, we wanted to make sure that they were approachable and, and friendly enough in nature that people are comfortable, even, even throughout our design. You know, we, we wanted our design to be fun and light and engaging 
and not unapproachable. I, I would say, I mean, just the very, the essence of why we were created was to service our guests. And it was, you know, we were responding to, like, we didn't, you know, I, I think so many brands start as a reaction to them seeing a trend. And then so they all kind of chase their tails and get in a, a boardroom somewhere and be like, all right, well, everybody's got a, a new gen out, a craft gen. We have to get a craft gen as part of our, you know, it didn't start that way. We started because we had the cocktail bar. Guests would always ask us for recipes if they if we made them a classic they liked or we had a signature cocktail. We were never, you know, proprietary about that. We're very happy to write, you know, write down the exact recipe on how to prepare something. If they want to do it at home, they're having a party. And and legitimately, I mean, I've told this story before, but it, it I got a call on a Friday night from one of our regulars who was having a party. And I had written down a couple of cocktails that they liked that they were going to make at their party. And I remember specifically it was an aviation cocktail, which is a great classic gin cocktail that's had a, had a nice resurgence in the uh, modern cocktail revival in the past you know, 15 years or so. And uh, she's like, I can't. She's like, it doesn't taste like when you make it in the bar. She's like, what am I doing wrong? And, and so I try to walk her through it. But at the end of that night, you know, we're talking. I'm like, man, people want great cocktails when they're not here. And it is not their job to know how to make you know, and balance these cocktails perfectly. So we're like, can we give them these cocktails to go? Can we give them to them, you know, in, in a place where they would not otherwise have the expectation of a craft cocktail where they might be limited, you know, making a G&T or a vodka soda or, or, or bringing beer or wine. And we're like, yeah, we can. We're just going to, you know, and so we, we, it was, it was born of hospitality. And I think the other side of that hospitality to me, if people are utilizing us in, home entertaining, or they're utilizing it even in an on-premise application when we're at, you know, if we're being sold in a theater or on a train or on an airline, whatever it might be. If you, if I can crack a bottle of a, a great cocktail and hand it to my guest, now I've got that much more time to interact with my guest, as opposed to having, having your head down, working in a service well, coming back four or five, six minutes later with a, with a cocktail made from scratch. It can, it can really speed up service and allow you to either be a host in your home with your guests or even at a bar or uh, other on-premise account. You can actually then build a rapport and, and be a host. Yeah, that's exactly, I feel like, what you guys are capturing with the, the product. Let's talk a little bit about the, the milestones that you guys uh, have hit as a company. And I guess we'll start off with that. Just take us through the research and development phase all the way up until the launch in uh, 2013, I believe. There's been lots of up and downs, you know, lots of different milestones. When we first launched, you know, we were always buyers. You know, Charles and I were, were buyers for several years. We didn't really understand necessarily how the other side worked. So kind of going in, I think one of our initial milestones was when we got into Whole Foods. That was always one of like we modeled a lot of what we did to make sure that we would be allowed to be in whole foods you know they've got pretty stringent requirements for their products and we're like all right well we need to make sure that we we cross all of those off our list and we're we're good to go there and you know a lot of these big grocery chains only do resets like once once a year and we're kind of you know you got to wait you, know, you got to wait they'll put something out and you could and and we just literally walked into a couple stores and just asked the buyers, if they had a minute, they were definitely not into the category back then. 
not something they were looking to do. But as soon as they tasted us, they're like, wow, you know, we could let's figure out a way to get you in. I, I think that was pretty early on, but I think that was kind of a significant milestone for us just in in the fact that it really did show one that we had something good, you know, one that other people recognized the needs, the need for something that that we were doing at a high level, like a like a whole food. So that was a that was a pretty big one. And then maybe two years in or so when we got on United Airlines, again, this was this was a, something as Charles and I continued to think about the brand and how this brand can evolve is when we started talking about some of those on, like on-premise, we call them non-traditional on-premise accounts like the airlines or, or train, we're on Amtrak and um, cruise lines, which we're on Virgin Voyages now. So all, all these are kind of big milestones, but that was that was a big one where we started to really recognize that endless opportunities in the ready to drink category that haven't even begun to be explored yet. So that was that was a pretty exciting thing for us. And for me, probably the other milestone, and maybe Charles has some different ones, is is about two years ago when we we re, redesigned, reformatted our cocktails. You know, we did launch that 175 cocktails on tap in our in our bag in the box. We redesigned our 200 mLs from a four-pack glass bottle to an individual serve aluminum screw top cap, which again allows for more applications, more drinking opportunity locations. So, so those, and, and they both were very, very well received. So I, that was that was a pretty big milestone, and also just a general brand refresh. So, if I had to pick three things, those would probably be our, my my three things historically that have kind of had a profound, profound effect on me. Yeah, I'd say if I can toss a couple a couple in there, you know, with the cocktails we launched with, our first three cocktails were the Moscow Mule, the Southside, and the the Paloma. And I kind of, you know, I, I always felt, you know, I was, I've been in the trenches behind the bar. So I can, I see, you know, we see it, what will become trends two years before they become a trend because we're, you know, in, in the bars as, as part of, as part of that. So, you know, those cocktails, the Moscow Mule now, everyone's like, all right, that might seem passe in 2022, but in 2011, it was just emerging and was just about to start hitting its stride for, so for a vodka cocktail, that was, Quite new, especially with a, with a really bright and, and, and spicy, authentic ginger beer. You know, one that you can get the aroma off of, and it might make you sneeze a little bit from the some of that ginger heat catching you, which which I love. You know, in the south side too, that's definitely left of center. Still not not a widely known classic cocktail, but it was a cocktail that we used in the bars as a gateway cocktail to turn people on to gin. People that you know, people who love gin will be all over the south side. It's uh, it's gin and citrus and. and so it's kind of like a, a mint gimlet, gin gimlet, if you will, uh, or gin mojito, I guess, in a, in a way. So super approachable flavors, but a little bit unexpected. When we finally launched our first aged spirit cocktail in the Gold Rush, um, again, we went a little a little left to center with that. The Gold Rush is a, is a contemporary classic made by uh, a bartender out of New York in the, in the 2000s. It's a, it's a bourbon sour uh, with honey as the as a sweetener. So that was that was fun. And then the the pineapple daiquiri for me too was was definitely a pet project i had years ago met the owner of pierre ferran cognac which is the, the company that has plantation rums and hadn't talked to him in years and it was the rum there's there's stiggins extra fancy pineapple rum that was what i had at my bar and i would use to make my own pineapple daiquiris along with our five-year-old barbados rum and with you know aromatic bitters from trinidad that's exactly the ingredients i used i'm like 
man, wouldn't it be awesome if I can get the exact brands that I use to make my own shift drink and put them in our bottles? And I sent shot an email. And lo and behold, they're like, oh, yeah, we've been like been quietly seeing what you guys have been doing over the years. We think, you know, the branding's great. The quality's great. We'd be happy to, you know, get you some spirits. So we were like us being able to actually get the exact spirits was, was pretty awesome. And, you know, with that and that same note, I was able to work with my friends who are husband and wife team that own a bitters company called Bittered Sling, which is just a fantastic, you know, small, small ish operation. You know, it is them. They make everything with the utmost integrity. So for me to be able to hit, hit up them and, and get some of their chocolate bitters for our, our rum old fashion. You know, these are literally uh, the ingredients that sit on my back bar and have been at all of the bars that I've, all the beverage programs that I've uh, run over the years. So to be able, I mean, that's, and I think that's, that's why they taste good when they, when, when they fight, when people, when y'all taste them, when uh, you crack open a, a craft house, because it's like, we can tell you where the tequila comes from. We can tell you where the gin comes from. You know, you come by Chicago, we can go to the distillery where the gin comes from. It's, it's right uh, downtown and in, 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 on the near south side of Chicago. Yeah, that actually makes me curious. You went into a little bit of what it takes to come out with a new offering, but what's kind of the whole process of like, what marks do you have to hit? And do certain ideas end up on the cutting room floor? And if you want to talk about any of those. Yeah, we have we have limitless ideas. We, we have nothing if not piles of ideas that don't come to fruition. It, you know, I would say in terms of limiting, you can't be all things to all people. When it, you know, and you can't have a hundred SKUs. You have to focus to some point. We have eight different cocktails at this point, which is a pretty broad offering. When we look at expansion, we want, we knew we wanted to be, we wanted to have an array of base spirits. So it's a little something for everyone. So we've got our vodka, our gin, our rum, our tequila, our mezcal, you know, our bourbon. We have an array of flavor profiles. So even more than the base spirits, it's not like, if you're a vodka drinker, you're still going to like a Southside because the Southside, although it's gin based, is bright and refreshing and has minty. It's it's not about clobbering you over the head the way a gin martini would. A gin martini might be a big cocktail to transition somebody from vodka to gin. But if you like a bright, refreshing cocktail, it's not about the base spirit. It's just like if you come into my bar, if I'm, if I'm working a bar and you come up, I don't ask you what what spirit do you normally drink if, if you're in the mood for a cocktail and you want to put me to work i ask you you know i want to get your mood like are you looking for big boozy a slow sipper you know what time do you need to be up tomorrow uh is, it might might be a question you know it's it, there's a lot of other ways to get to what people are drinking and i think the least creative way is to ask them what they normally drink because they'll tell you and it's the same thing all the time they're looking for something new we have a turnkey cocktail menu really at this point which which i think we're really happy about with some of our partners you, you, they don't need to make a single drink if you put our eight drinks on the menu you've got a really comprehensive cocktail menu that covers all bases so you know from a little bit lower abv to big boozy you know sippers all the way up to the rum old fashioned so we wanted to we wanted something for everyone without uh, getting too too confusing as i said we're we're out, you know, we're in the industry still. So we're seeing what people are drinking and, and we try to get ahead of the curve. We also make what we like to drink, you know, so it's like we're not going to make something that we don't enjoy or, or see an occasion for that we wouldn't want to want to crack open and, and drink just because the market is asking for it necessarily. Of course. And do you guys know what your top kind of offerings at this point are? Is Are there some that kind of stand out over the rest or? Yeah. 
we do. It's interesting. It's a bit market to market. You know, there's different, again, spirits that are drawn to certain markets. But nationally, our number one is still the Moscow Mule. You know, I think it's just familiarity with it. You know, the gold rush in the south side by name are less familiar to people. But however, like you're sipping on one as people drink them and explore them. then then if, if we do a sampling event, they all sell evenly. They really do. Sometimes the south side actually sells better than the rest, which is, you know, again, because some people are unsure of the gin category and, and how they how they would personally react to it. But once they taste it and they understand what it's about, it's very popular. But by sales stats, the Moscow Mule and Paloma are one and two. And so I do think it's a lot of that just comes from name recognition. Yeah, I could totally see that. I could totally see the the tasting kind of being like the the thing that evens the playing field too. It's the great equalizer. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Everyone finds a favorite with that. I mean, we did some, we sponsored some, some kind of music festivals this, this, uh, this summer and we were out there, we were working the, the trailer, you know, it was just us uh, doing the tastings. And so we, it was really interesting to see that because you have, you would have a group of five or six people come up that had never heard of us before, you know, we're doing the tasting. So we can't, you know, we're obviously very attached to the brand, and in every, all, you know, all five people would have a different favorite. Uh, and that's perfect. That's by, that is exactly, that's exactly what's supposed to happen. It's by design, you find your favorite, which is why the, the, the 200 milliliter, which is like a cocktail and a half and those small aluminum bottles are great because it really allows you to, you don't have to buy a, a case of 24 of something and then be like, have one and be like, ah, oh, this is, this is not for me. You know, you can just, you can crack one and then, uh, you know, could get a little mix and match, which is also cool for, for parties and, and if you're, like popping over somebody's house or whatever. For sure. And, and getting back to those milestones, Matt, you mentioned the, the deal with United. There's a deal with Total Wine, I believe. If you want to get into kind of those deals, specifically United and Total Wine, and discuss how those deals came about, how you closed them, and, and uh, anything in terms of those. Yeah, so we were on United for, for two plus years, you know, Right now, I don't think they're doing any cocktail program currently, but I know they're going to start one back up in the summer. But, you know, it's really building relationships across the board. Again, the juice is in the, is in the bottle. So we've never had an issue with people validating our cocktails from a quality standpoint. It's really just about then seeing where, where it's applicable and, you know, is, is it going to sell? And again, to be candid, the first couple of years we were out, that was a challenge because our people were not necessarily walking down. Our general consumer for Craft House was not walking down the ready-to-drink aisle looking for a quality ready-to-drink cocktail. They didn't know where or how to find us. So that was that was a challenge. But a lot of those retailers like Total Wine kind of stuck stuck with us knowing it was something good. You'll probably recognize that at some point that category is going to grow. But a lot of it, yeah, it's really been just just developing these relationships, people becoming advocates uh, for us and for the brand. And, and, you know, it's led to some great ones. Like I mentioned, the Virgin Voyages were the only ready to drink on Richard Branson's new cruise line on, on both the boat and the island and uh, Amtrak and on the Acela line of the Northeast. They, they crush it. We're quite a few theaters. Ambassador Theater Group is real nice. They're the largest in the world, actually, theater uh, organization. We've got a great relationship with them. And they and they crush it. And these are great opportunities for us because it actually provides marketing for our brand that's actually revenue generating as well. So it's it's kind of a, a nice thing to get that real strong on-premise balance to help 
really drive the retail. And you bring up a great point, Matt, about some of the changes specifically within the airline industry. You know, some airlines are back to offering again. Some airlines really aren't. How is the kind of airline situation factoring into your strategy, if it is at all right now? So I could say when we when we first had a relationship on United, they were, I don't know, let's call it 65% of our business. It was pretty significant and, and great. You know, so now we kind of, when we, when we look to the future and, and plan on getting on in some airlines down the road, it's, we're just in a much different position right now because we have so much more sales. It's not going to be quite the same reliance on those. So, you know, we have the stock and the inventory and, and the sales and support team and marketing support guys that can help us in those relationships. So, you know, although we love to get all of them and, and we, and we do hope to capture a few more great ones in the, in this coming year, we're ready for it. You know, so we're, we're prepared to, to be able to capture that and, and, and do it successfully. So there's not that much additional planning that needs to go on from our end, other than, you know, to understand which SKUs they, they're looking to focus on, but we're, we're ready to roll for any new partner that comes on board. It's just such a perfect application for us as well. You know, more than in, in 2011, you know, now years later, the expectation for high quality cocktails is there. In 2011, nobody expected to get on a plane and get a properly mixed cocktail like you didn't because it didn't exist. And so no one was spoiled by it yet. Now, more than a decade later, people have had lots of great cocktails. You can go to, you know, big hotels, make have good cocktail programs, big chains. You can go to the airport. They're getting, getting a, a, a decent cocktail. You know, you go to a, a music venue, they've got cocktails. So the expectation is there. And we, so we solve a lot of problems for it. You know, obviously it's, it's, it's turnkey, it's consistent. We have a consistent ABV, you know, so more than giving somebody a mini of whiskey or whatever it is, you know, that that's at 80 proof or gin that might be up over 90 proof. You also have a stable, you know, you're, you're doing at 10% or, you know, 15 or whatever, whatever ABV we're, you know, depending on the cocktail, all of our cocktails vary based on the drink. So it's, which is important on, on an airline as we've seen, especially over this last, over this last year. So, and, and it's, it's, you know, it's great for, you have hundred percent cost control and your inventory is very easy. So there are some like logistic things from the business side on their end that makes it very, very easy. Even now for us too, back then we had glass bottles with paper labels. For example, you put those in ice, you know, that sit on a plane for seven hours and, you know, they would take a little bit of abuse. Now we have these really beautiful aluminum twist top cans. And so they can be in there and they're just better. They almost in, insulate and, and become uh, little coolers of their own. So, so we, we've, we've got, we're in a, in a very good place to, to, to do some of those partnerships and they were just fun. United was fun. It's our, you know, it's a Chicago, it's a Chicago company. So it was right in our backyard. We just, you know, I could drive 10 minutes to go to a meeting with United from my house. And I think, you know, to just to kind of tap on that a little bit more, you know, in our, some of our, re- the travel channel, you know, now, now we've definitely recognized is a lot of opportunity for us. And in our redesign, United took those glass bottles on from a weight perspective and breakage. It was not ideal. That's just, they just liked the product that much. And now, you know, with our relationship with Virgin and how environmentally conscious they are, you know, to transition to something that's easy and hundred percent recyclable. 
was great for them and and also just from a weight uh, standpoint for the airlines and things like that. So we did take all that into consideration when we when we redesigned. It wasn't just something that we were looking to do. We we recognized what our customers were asking for as well and made the adjustments needed. For sure. And a lot of those changes really were obviously due to the pandemic. Did the pandemic kind of affect your business a ways beyond that? And if so, how did you go about adjusting to those? The cruise line was launching March of 2020. Amtrak was launching May of 2020 for us. And Marriott was doing a pilot program with us in, in some of their, one of their hotel chains that we we're super excited on and 100% focused on. Uh, so we really decided that we were going to go hard on the on-premise applications to help drive brand awareness and then go back to focus on retail and we just launched, you know, we had just come out with this new formats and the can aluminum bottles. So, you know, when all that happened, we weren't sure how our world was going to, was going to be as again, like so many others. And we're, we decided, well, we better go back to the retailers now, as opposed to waiting, because we don't have any on-premise business right now. And, and again, thankfully they were very receptive. I think Initially, a lot of people, when the pandemic hit, went to their comfort brands, you know, things that they've had and, and done for many years because they weren't sure exactly how long they're going to be bunkered down for. But then as that time kind of continued to move, then they started exploring out and, and really discovering the RTDs as, as much as any other spirit segment that's out there. So at the end of the day, you know, it wasn't at all how we expected 2020 or 2021 to actually look, but it was probably a net net, you know, even to what we were expecting just from a completely different source. One more thing I'd like to hit on for sure. The recent partnership you guys signed with Dolphin Entertainment. I really wanted to know what you guys, what the plan was with with Dolphin Entertainment and, and what you wanted to achieve out of that partnership. Yeah, that was, you know, we're very excited to be hooking up with Dolphin Entertainment. They're not a household name. They kind of fly a little under the radar in terms of that, but they are, I mean, they're a publicly traded company. And we had, in a roundabout way, had a relationship with them for a very long time. The door is the, their arm of, of one of the arms of, of Dolphin. That is a PR company that we, we've worked with since the beginning on and off. And so, you know, we've become really friendly with them. I mean, we're obviously a very, a very small company, you know, there in terms of that PR companies, they're small-ish. They're not one of these mega companies. So, you know, as you know, with any brand, with anything, you know, anything that people purchase, marketing is a huge part of it. There, you can have liquid gold. And if people don't know about it, then it just doesn't matter. And there are plenty of products that are maybe not the, the best quality that do really, really well because they, you know, they have great, great advertising or great marketing. You know, there are billboards all over some celebrity endorsement or whatever it might be. So we knew we, we felt like we have liquid gold, you know, like in terms of in terms of the quality of our cocktails, like we'll go toe to toe any day and are happy, you know, very happy with what we put in the bottle. And so this partnership with Dolphin is really going to help us let people know about it. And so and, and help with that brand recognition. It, they're a very cool company. They're kind of a one stop shop. You know, they're they've come in as a, you know. A small partnership. And so they've got, you know, a vested interest in, in, in us all doing well together. And it's, and they've known the brand for the decade that we've been around as well. So it was an easy partnership to get involved in. And this next year, you know, we're really hoping we are putting a lot of investment into making sure people know about us. 
in, in a variety of different ways and, and all of the, you know, all the ways that you would, you would expect. We're definitely very excited to have the assistance on that because there's only so much we can do. As Matt said, there's 10 of us and that, you know, that covers production and logistics. And there are, there are so many moving parts in this company in terms of just, just simply sourcing ingredients and cans and working with co-packers and getting it to, you know, to 40 states this year, making sure that all the distributors have everything they need, let alone before you even start to think about, oh, what's our social media presence? <laughs> you know, so it is, there's, there's a lot to do. Yeah. For, for us, you know, the dolphin just kind of closes the loop for what we're trying to accomplish, you know, and, and, and hyper, hypercharging our marketing efforts. To, to really get that brand exposed. It's like Charles saying, and even though we've sold, gosh, I don't even know, you know, a million people have tried Craft House. In, in essence, people still don't know who we are. So so it's just exciting for us now that we're just, all the pieces have lined up and, and bringing this Dolphin partnership online is, is kind of the biggest of all those pieces to just make sure that all of our efforts and placements at all these different stores and, and all these different on-prem that now people actually are going to recognize and, and help build some brand loyalty through some of our marketing efforts. So it's just, it's a super exciting time for us. I mean, you know, again, we've been up and down through the ringer a few times over the course of the 10, 11 years that Charles and I have been doing this. And we just couldn't be more excited uh, with 2022 and, and what we have going on right now and Dolphin being a huge part of that. For sure. I'm excited for you guys. Do you have, we'll finish on this. Do you have any new offerings coming out? Anything you guys want to promote or talk about coming out in 2022? We're working on stuff. Charles is always working on stuff. I, I think one of our goals, again, we, we're eight wide right now in terms of how many different cocktails we do ha- have out there for people to enjoy. I think cool thing for us is maybe to start looking at some small batch releases or some seasonal stuff or, you know, things that we could kind of just hit and run on as I guess, just like to see how, how people respond to it and maybe it becomes part of the lineup, but, but probably even more than that, just to give people something exciting to look forward to. Like, Hey, let's see what Charles is doing. That's, that's cool and new. And, and, and let's, you know, let's see how we could get, get our hands on, on one of those type of, of uh, cocktails. Our, our current uh, facility that we make all our cocktails on has the ability to really do that, those type of things for us. And, you know, talking to some partners in the spirit world that, that we could, you know, friends of ours, again, that we could help and they could help us kind of bring forth some, some really cool, cool ideas, but maybe not necessarily on a massive scale. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us, Matt and Charles. Uh, I'm sure our listeners are going to be very happy to hear all of your your story, your advice, your everything you shared. Any last words? Any ways people can reach out to you or look for your look for your product on the shelves? Anything you guys want to finish on? Yeah, I mean, if you do if you do check out our website, it does go directly to us. I mean, we don't have you know somebody that's monitoring the website. It email it, it, it comes to Charles and. And then also we do have a partnership with Reserve Bar, which is a really cool platform. I'm sure everybody's uh, pretty familiar with at this point. But, you know, not only does it help utilize our retail partners, but it just allows people from all over to to be able to order us and get us delivered, too. So that's a really, really cool function that we've just recently started on. And, and again, are super excited about 2022 and the opportunities that that partnership can bring. Yeah, I mean, it is. 
There is no red tape with Craft House cocktails. If you jump on our Instagram at Drink Craft House, you shoot a message. Like it's going to be one of us that gets back to you within, you know, within 20 minutes, a half hour, whatever. If not, if not quicker, I'm on as well at Charles Jolie. So you can, you know, pictures of my, my dog mainly, or, you know, me doing R&D at the home bar as well. It is, you know, we pride ourselves on being an open book and, and very involved with it, with every step of the way. So we encourage, please do reach out if you have a question about anything, whatever you want to pick the, you know, you want us to help you with a, f- a food and cocktail pairing. You want some garnish ideas, whatever it is, you know, shoot us, shoot us a note. And of course, our website at craft or at crafthousecocktails.com as well has all the information and uh, can get you in-depth info on everything. Okay. Thank you guys so much for being uh, an open book with others and being an open book with us today. And uh, thank you everyone for tuning into the Park Street Insider Podcast. Have a wonderful weekend, Matt and Charles. It's great talking to you. You too. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, cheers. Thanks so much. Hi, everyone. It's Emily again. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you're enjoying the Park Street Insider Podcast, don't forget to rate us and leave a good review. If you're interested in getting involved in Park Street University, email us at psu at parkstreet.com. Thanks a lot.